0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Breaking Through the Glass Sales with Uncomfortable Conversations, second um, episode, second segment of this podcast, and I told you before that this would be more of the trending topics discussions, and today we are going to talk about what they call the clusterfuck that UNC has, and of course... We're talking the University of North Carolina, so I had to bring on the person closest to me from the University of North Carolina, my good friend, my mentee, Miss Jasmine Bunch, also known as Jazz on Fire. Jazz, what's up?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Hello, y'all, it is me, your fave. And if you tune into Here's the Heat, you will know exactly what I mean, but hopefully by the end of this conversation, that'll also be clear to you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, how are you doing um, with everything going on?
1: yeah i'm i'm doing that's exactly what it is um there is just so much happening at once um it's overwhelming you know honestly i'm exhausted but it's senior year for me um i am remotely like completely remote all of my classes are remote i'm doing you know what i love my classes are all broadcast and you know creation based so we're in the middle we're okay well
0: that's good you know um i know we're in a middle of a pandemic, and you' mentioned you do have broadcast classes so it's, it's different because generally you want to go to a studio, but one of the things that you know I'm gonna uh put you over in this sense of you've been very resourceful, making sure that you had your own equipment, making sure you've been able to keep your content going, and with all of that, how does it do you feel somewhat cheated, not being able? to have your senior year inside the classroom and inside the studio at UNC?
1: You know, honestly, I thought about that. You know, I didn't want to be selfish. I'm like, you know, girl, people are literally dying. And I'm like, you worried about classes, you worried about, you know, graduation. But I'm also like, this is a valid, you know, feeling, especially thinking about the seniors last year when they lost their spring. I felt so bad for them. And then, you know, having the realization that the same thing would happen to me, I was like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, and I I do – I don't want to say I feel cheated because, you know, this is, this is happening to everybody. Like the Corona isn't just happening to me, but I will say that I do feel like once again, I'm getting the short end of the stick. Um, And by once again, I mean, senior year of high school, I had a terrible senior year. It seemed like everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, And so I do think that like, it is a bit of a, a bit of a difference. Like I do feel like I would for sure more than anything, rather have like a normal senior year. Um, But I do still think, you know, our UNC um, journalism school is doing the best that they can. Um, I truly feel like they care about us in a sense where, you know, they're going to make sure we're still getting, you know, the best skills and and training and experience possible. But I do really wish, you know, my broadcast classes could just be, you know, normal broadcast classes.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the best thing is, you know, internships and you have a lot of them and, you have the experience. We all know the classroom is important, but experience is the best teacher. And, and, you know, you being connected, we know we have a great group of people in the National Association of Black Journalists. So that always helps. I want to talk about, and I'm you know grateful that you were able to take time out of your busy schedule to come on. I was, got up Monday morning <laughs> and I saw UNC has a clusterfuck on their hands. Ooh. And you know, I guess when you say when you put the word cluster, is it still uh is it still profanity? um, uh, uh, you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know the definition, like when you look it up, it's like um it tell it's like a noun and it's like um vulgar. So I'm like, yeah, they wild with that one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um so obviously when I saw that, you know, you I thought about you and I'm like, oh shoot. So what was your what, what did you think when you first saw that?
1: So honestly, um as a journalist myself as a writer, um, I was like, Wow, this is how they're moving at the Daily Tar Heel, you know. Um the Daily Tar Heel, which is where it was um, you know, published, is kind of like the flagship publication on campus. And, you know, pretty much at UNC it's like the the norm in journalism realm where if you didn't work at the DTH, you didn't really, you know, you weren't really a journalism student. Um but seeing that I was like <laughs> You know, honestly, this would never be able to come out of, you know, the mouth or the work of a Black journalist. That was that was my first thing. I was thinking about that. I was like, wait a minute, you know, we're held to these standards and objectivity and, you know, these strict rules. And I'm like, clusterfuck? Like, we can say that? Like, you know, that was my first thing. And then second, thinking about, you know, the content and the actual, you know, what's happening. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not at all surprised. This is, we all knew this was going to happen.
0: Yeah, and, and maybe... You know, it got to... One thing I saw, shout out to my friend, Nikki Mayo. Um, she posted, if I'm not mistaken, something along the lines of journalism, USC students have had enough and, you know, they got pretty much, this is how they feel. And the reason is because, and you can explain further, but seeing students return to campus in the midst of the pandemic.
1: That... So I'm off campus, like I said. All of my classes were remote because I knew better. I wasn't gonna be a part of any foolishness that UNC has to offer that I don't have to deal with because I'm telling you, this university puts us through it and by us. I mean, especially the black and brown students of color. Um and I think for them to send us back in the middle of a global pandemic, especially like having, you know, I think we're number two. We're tabbed for number two for the best public health, you know, school, having one of the and I'm just like so like what's what's tea? What's good? Like, how do we have the number two public school in the nation, and we're sending thousands of students, some of these first years, who have never been out the house? You know, they're gonna get out here at the fool, back to school. Like, that's just not. I don't think that's a good idea. And so, I really just feel like you know, this isn't the first time UNC has shown you know just a complete disregard for their students or that they disappointed us. But I do think this time is. It's not just limited to the black and brown students, you know, who always get the short end of the stick. This is campus-wide, you know, it's, it's affecting, you know, the other side of campus that we don't really talk about that doesn't get impacted. And I think it's even nationwide because, like I said, this is a global pandemic. Like, this is literally, you know, what always happens. This isn't the first time UNC has screwed up. And, like, I just feel like this is just on a larger scale and it's campus-wide. It's not just the black students, so it means a little bit more to everyone.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't understand it. I've been very vocal last week on the first um, the first on the you know inaugural segment of the uncomfortable conversations. I discussed how I didn't think college football should continue, mm-hmm. and a lot of people brought up, well, you have people who have jobs and coaches and staff and reporters. I understand all that. I understand the fact that these people do have jobs, that this is how they make a living. But at the end of the day, to me, and I'm a, I'm a sports fan, it's still extracurricular activity. You're not paying these players. Yes. So you want them to go out there and risk their lives. And you got players out there who are saying, we want to play, hashtag we want to play. And I know that when I was 18 and 19, I wasn't making the smartest decisions. <laughs> you know, obviously yeah. you're older than that, but I'm pretty sure you could even say for yourself, when you were, uh, freshman jazz is much, uh, was less mature than senior jazz. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So when I saw that, and then I saw that these students were returning, I'm like, what in the world? So was there, was there no like guidelines where there, that you know of, Was there, Not any guidelines when they came to campus or any regulations saying, hey, make sure you maintain your physical distance or don't be out partying. Do you know of any Mm -hmm. of that?
1: Yeah, so they had this whole roadmap to UNC. Um, They have a program called Carolina Way that is pretty much tailored to the students who decided not to, you know, physically come back to campus. Everything's online. So, you know, we receive these emails like almost every day, it seemed like, before classes started. And then once classes, you know, did start, we were getting them just kind of reminding us, you know, practice social distancing, you have to wear a mask, um, you know, most organizations were taking it upon themselves to cancel, like, in-person events, although the university, you know, recommended it. Everything was just, like, a recommendation. Of course, social distancing and mask were, like, required, but honestly, like, at one point, and this is where I feel like the journalists, especially the journalists of color, it's always us, I feel like doing all that free diversity labor for this university, um, found out that, like, you know, the white fraternities and sororities still planting a party. And so, you know, we had the social media has been our best friend with, you know, UNC because they love doing this dirty behind the covers. But um, we bought it to social media and we were like, what do y'all mean that you can't do anything? You know, why can't you hold them to some kind of disciplinary standard or anything? And so I feel like that was the biggest issue coming back, knowing that UNC could say, you know, well, we can't do anything about this, but also having this like vague guideline where they're like, "Well, if you do this, you'll face disciplinary action, or if you don't do this," I'm like, okay, that's not clear enough. You know, people are gonna do whatever you allow them to do, especially newly admitted college kids. So I just felt like everything was unclear from the beginning, especially when it came to finances, when it came to like disciplinary actions. Um, students were worried about like attendance because a lot of um, teachers here are like, "You have to come to class," and I'm like baby it's so a global pandemic what do you mean um and so i just feel like it just the plan was faulty the foundation was faulty from the beginning so we all you know we, we anticipated the carolina blue skies crumbling around us so it wasn't at all surprising
0: wow so even you have teachers saying they still have to come to class Students got to come to class.
1: Absolutely. And then you also have professors, once again, students kind of using social media to help hold the university accountable. Um, I saw a girl post that, you know, she was telling her professor what was going on and the professor was like, you know, we actually, I pushed for my class to be online only and the university told me no. And we're like, what? But, you know, you still have those professors that are, some of them are like, you know, you need to come to class and then some of them are like, this is, this is a lot and I understand. So do what you feel, you know, safe is doing.
0: Wow, that's crazy! Now, <laughs> wow, well you you look at. Did you notice this morning that it hit the Washington Post and you know multiple major newspapers? And It's always, you know, it's a big story when the journalists become the story because you know they always yep. teach us you're not supposed to be the story, you're supposed to be, whatever. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I, I honestly, and i probably get some heat for this, but I do understand that a lot of that was made before individuals were becoming brands and journalists were becoming brands. And you get oh mad while you're putting journalists on TV. Like Don Lemon is a brand now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we, I, I woke up and I saw that and I was like, well, and it wasn't so much. I mean, I'm not going to say it wasn't the fact that it was the... And what they did, but I do have to credit the journalist for the headline because the headline is what pulled everybody in.
1: For sure,
0: you know when you think about because, like you said, like we're not using clusterfuck as a headline. It might be in there somewhere, (laughs) but when you put, (laughs) my mother is probably listening. She'd be like,
1: "Well, how many times you gonna say that word?"
0: I'm just repeating.
1: <laughs> we get it, Brian. She's like, we get it. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're not using it in the headline. You know what I mean? So but now, does this, are, like how, I guess to say, when you, all this happening, did this make you happier that it was finally bringing awareness of the way things were going on down there?
1: I, you know, um, I have mixed feelings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm really finally glad that we are getting the attention um, and UNC's actions is finally being held, you know, accountable. They're going to be held accountable for their actions because, you know, they messed up for the world to see. This is, you know, everybody's talking about it. But at the same time, I am so very embarrassed to be a Tar Heel. Like, it is, it is not a good day to be a Tar Heel. Um, and, you know, honestly, like I was saying, as a Black student or as a student of color, that's not, you know, that's a familiar feeling for me, but I really feel like this, this just could have been avoided. Like, I just don't understand how, and you know, it's not, we can't just solely blame the university. You know, we have the board of governors, you know, the system schools and all of that acting, but I do feel like, you know, if you're a university and you preach that you love your students and you care about us and we're your main priority, I feel like you would have really advocated for us to not come back. Because right now, I think the numbers, it's around like 300, do not quote me, but, and they're still rising, they're still being tested, um, but it's, it's almost 300 students who are sick. Mm. This is a, we're talking about a virus that is killing people. Like the numbers are just rocketing, and this virus is killing people, and you bought these students back to face this. Like, what, what amount of money, or like, what kind of, what did you gain, you know? And was it worth the risk of possibly having your students, you know, die? And that's the thing that I feel like hurts me the most. Because like I said, I'm not on campus. I don't have any in-person classes. I don't have any friends directly impacted by that. But it still hurts me to know that I'm going to a school that doesn't – obviously, you know, I can assume they don't care if I die. Or if I die, you know, it wasn't – we tried. Like, I think – I cannot remember who it was, but they quoted him saying, you know, I don't apologize for trying. Trying what? Like, this – what did you try? You know, this was not good. I don't think in any scenario in whatever universe and whatever alternate reality, this would have been a good thing. Like 300 students are sick and we're going to pray for their safety and pray they pull through, but this virus does not discriminate and it could kill them. And I just don't understand why, you know, this was never considered or this was never heavily considered to make a better decision in the first place.
0: Yeah. it's, It's really scary. And it's like, you know, for instance, You know, I produce um, the media content for my church. And my pastor, uh, shout out to the Reverend Dr. Derek Randolph, Sr. He and I have been, he just became pastor in December. Pandemic hits in March. A lot of the congregation is older. They're in their 50 pluses, you know, and he hasn't really had the opportunity it was like, as soon as he was kind of getting warmed up and doing some, implementing some of the new things, boom, this hits. So mm-hmm. I've spent a lot more time with him producing the content than 90, probably 99% of the church members. And one of the things I said to him was, we have an older congregation. I know we will say physical distancing, but I know those people, they're going to want to hug each other.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're going to want to hug each other. Um, and, and the thing is, when I'm thinking about college students, you have to have somebody, you know, you got to have some sort of enforcement. And so I'm assuming there was, like, nobody who, no security, no campus security around to, like, pretty much stop this or right. anything. I, and, and it's so unfortunate. You, um, you brought up Here's the Heat your show. Make sure everybody check it out on YouTube. I will put the description um, to her channel. Make sure you subscribe. Drive those numbers up. And I was watching one of the episodes where you had a gentleman who had the virus. And he was, uh, you you could obviously know better, but he was no older than 30, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken, right?
1: 26 to be exact.
0: 26 years old. Can you just talk, can you give us a summary of the conversation? Because obviously I want people to go watch it, but can you give us a summary of the conversation and what you learned about COVID-19, the coronavirus from him?
1: Absolutely. So um, this guy I was scrolling on Facebook, and he was just, you know, sharing his story of how he recovered. And I was like, wow, you know, I know him. Like, I don't directly know him, but I know him um, from social media. You know, he's, you know, from the same area. And I was like, he's young. I know he's young because I remember, you know, not going to school with him, but, you know, being in that age range. And I was like, this is crazy. You know, I'm glad he's here and I'm glad he, you know, survived. But I'm like, I think we need to talk to him. So, you know, other people, our age group, see this, hear this and hopefully act. Um, And so I talked to him. Basically, he honestly, I think the main thing about it was he still doesn't know where he got it from. Um, And that's probably the scariest part. I know he said he and another friend went and got tested at the same time. They were in the same car um, because they they were like indirectly exposed to a relative, an older relative who had it. Um, But he doesn't think that was where it came from. He just honestly doesn't know. And so the friend actually ended up testing negative. They didn't didn't get it, but he did. Um, And it was just crazy because he was telling his story. And just like at first it was like a, a nagging cough and, you know, just like the normal symptoms. And he said he had asthma. um, And so, you know, he thought it was that kind of thing. And then once he got the test results back, it was like a week. And he was like, that's when things just got worse. Like it just started progressing and becoming progressively worse. He was like one night he got up to take some medicine and he couldn't walk. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, what do you mean you can't walk? He was like, his body was just so sore. Like he was just physically unable. He just fell to the floor. And couldn't get up and I'm like this is not the flu and I had to ask him I was like okay have you ever had the flu and he was like yes and I was like compare the flu to the coronavirus because a lot of people are making that distinction and I know it varies from person to person but like what was your experience he was like yeah the flu ain't got nothing on this and I feel like that's the thing that people need to understand like it doesn't discriminate it impacts everybody differently so someone who's 80 years old and you know had health complications all their life could live But a young, healthy, you know, 20-year-old could pass away because it just is different. And I think another thing that I learned from him was um, I asked him, how did he feel about the virus before contracting it and then after? You know, before he said, he didn't really, you know, think much of it. He didn't take it serious. He was out and about, bar hopping, clubbing, doing whatever, cookouts. And then after he realized, like, it's, it's serious. Like, you know, and I told him that it shouldn't hit home for people to take it serious, but I feel like for our generation, that's the only way people are beginning to see. And I think he was really grateful, of course, to be alive, but also because he has a son and his son um, battles, has a, is battling cancer. Um, so he goes to chemotherapy and he was just like really blessed and thankful that his son didn't contract this virus from him and that nobody in his household did. So I was just like, I'm glad that you were able to have this experience and recover and heal. He says he still feels the effects of it, but it was just really important for him to see. You know, after experiencing it himself.
0: Yeah, you know, we did a episode on sports and uh and COVID 19 and how I put it on hold. And I remember NFL player Vaughn Miller contracted it. And I believe it was him or it was another player I was reading. I've been reading so many articles and then obviously dealing with a lot of work with my day job. I noticed that there were athletes who said, they don't feel the same, you know. And people just think, like, "Oh, you know, oh, they'll get it; they'll be fine," you know. But it's taking people out because there's also different variations of different strands of it, I believe. Right. And you know, people were so quick to do temperature checks. And you know, one of our doctors at uh, Johns Hopkins Medicine, Dr. Dave Thomas, said, "You can't." Basically, he summarized it in the article with NBC News that that's imperfect because, and it's better not to count on it, They, you know, it's not they don't believe the testing, but it's so many different symptoms, so, and then some people don't have symptoms, so doing a temperature check doesn't always mean, okay, they're good to come in, they're exactly. coronavirus free, and I know one of other doctors have said that they speak against the temperature checks because you're still breaking the six feet um, recommendation, Mm -hmm. you know? So what do you, how does, you know, before we get out of here, you know, like we said, UNC really made a lot of headlines because, really because of a headline that really (laughs) drove home and had people think like, whoa, because I think it was one of the things is, wow, journalists really, they really printed this. And then the fact that they printed this, well, let's open up and see why they said it. And seeing so many people came in, um, so many people had, you know, had the virus, came together, which led to more people getting sick. Where do they go from here? And how do you feel going into, you know, continuing with your senior year?
1: You know, honestly, thinking about the point you just made where like we made headlines because of a headline, that really makes me, you know, call into question what we have made headlines otherwise. You know, the fact that, 130 students tested positive after, you know, students were on campus having a slip and slide and having parties and having events with would, would anybody have cared that that was happening at that headline not, you know, made headlines, but I think moving forward, I think UNC just really needs to put the health and the safety of their students first and making all their decisions. So I think one thing, a lot of, um, you know, controversy going on right now is the fact that, you know, they they gave us this, you know, recommended eviction notice for students to stay on campus, but yet they didn't give us any kind of breaking classes. And when you think about it, like, this is a lot to take in, even if students aren't moving off campus. Like I said, I'm like not directly impacted, but this this stressed me out. You know, I have friends who live on campus. I have, you know, classes and I'm just thinking about the fact that this major thing is happening. So I think prioritizing the health, like in all aspects, physically, mentally um, and thinking about the financial situations of students, because I know um, one thing that was controversial also with their roadmap was that they didn't plan to offer refunds. Um, for housing and for meal plans. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm signing this contract with faulty housing. You may keep me out in the middle of the semester and I will have nowhere to go. And so I think they need to prioritize that. So making sure that they, you know, provide those refunds or those financial support systems for students who need to move. Um, because I know a lot of students, even if their dorms aren't impacted, I know parents are like, come on, you coming home, we're coming to get you, packed up. I think doing that. And then I think also, Really taking the recommendations seriously, because I know um, the Orange County Public Health, um, the local, you know, I guess like organization in Chapel Hill um, actually recommended that UNC not open up with, you know, full capacity um, returning students back and all of that. And, you know, yet we opened up. So I think really taking those guidelines seriously and like prioritizing the health and safety of their students rather than, you know, financial gain or experimentation or whatever the reasoning was for opening up.
0: So any final thoughts? um, Like you said, they need to prioritize the students. They need to make sure, you know, and before we get into final thoughts, that was one thing that concerned me too, was the students not being able to get their refunds. Cause it really felt like, and and, and, you know, a lot of people say this and you know, I graduated from college. You're about to graduate people. I'm trying to make sure I can say in a nice way. A lot of people who haven't gone to college, some successful, some unsuccessful, will say, "Well, college is just a business, so you don't really need it."
1: Mm,
0: How? <laughs> right? However, there are people who will say, you know, it's, you know they'll say that, they'll say it's a scam. You don't need college, it's that another. That. It does offer the experience of developing relationships and bonds and connections. But it did concern me, the fact that they knew this was an issue, yet they got the money. Yep. But okay, well, yeah, we're going to stop now, as opposed to making the call before. You're talking about boatloads of thousands and thousands of dollars that's going to come in. You know, so that was one of the things that was real concerning. But, you know, before we get out of here, um, can you drop your final thoughts? Let the people know where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, like, like we all say, this is, you know, uncharted territory, we have, you know, never really been in a situation before. So I think just meeting people and systems and everything where they are, is going to be how we navigate this. And I know, you know, social distancing and mask and, you know, protecting yourself is important. I feel like the only way we're going to make it out of here is community. And so I think dropping the individualistic mindset, and thinking about, you know, what is best for their greater good? Because I'm a senior. This is my last year. I want to party. I want to go out. I want to have the whole full experience. But I think at the end of the day, the baseline for this is that people are dying. And why is that not the main concern of you know America, of the government, of people? You know, and it shouldn't have to hit home for you know a family or you know a loved one to die before you take this virus serious. Um, and so I, I've really been stressed. Throughout this pandemic, I've been, you know, kind of like, wow, people are really selfish in a sense, Um, like in this pandemic is showing how individualistic we can be as Americans, and I think just as people in general. Um, but it was great to kind of talk about it. This was like a mini therapy session. I needed this. I needed it to go somewhere because my Twitter rants weren't reaching the masses like I needed them to, but um, it was- I saw great. your
0: Instagram right last night and I was like, yeah, I got to get her one.
1: <laughs> uh, y'all, I did this thing and I'm telling you, like I said, this isn't the first time UNC has disappointed, you know, me or other students, but it was called, um, this was before Here's the Heat was a little bit more, you know, talk show based um, and it was called UNC Don't Care About Me. And it was like, I called it where journalism is junk talk. And I just had to go in on them um, with the way they handled Sal and Sam. I and I think last night I did like an Instagram version of it. And I was just like, I really am frustrated. And so, but it, like I said, it was great talking about it and having like a platform for it.
0: Do you, <laughs> would you, <laughs> obviously, you have younger family members. Are you sending them to US, UNC?
1: Absolutely not. Okay. Are you, so are you so sending them to the Duke? Uh, no, <laughs> I, absolutely not. I tell my, my nieces and nephews all the time, they're like, I'm going to Chapel Hill. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Because I'm going to make sure that you get a personal recommendation letter from me to go somewhere else, because absolutely not. This is Tar Heel born, and Tar Heel stops right here. This is where the legacy stops with me. Because I just don't feel like, you know, unless I see some change in the coming years from UNC showing that they truly care about their students. Specifically, you know, they're students of color. I don't, I don't see any more of my family coming here if it's up to me. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. well, I mean, you know, I'm always an advocate for HBCUs.
1: You know, we're not even going to do that. We're not even going to give the HBCU <laughs> folks a reason to bring the debate back up. But you know, sometimes I do wish I would have took it down the road to Central. Not gonna lie, you know, try to go to Howard. Not gonna lie, but yeah, it's always grad <laughs> school. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's where I'm headed. If I go back to any more school, that is where I am
0: headed.
1: Yeah. However, hey. hey, boo.
0: <laughs> hey, Morgan.
1: <laughs> hey, big head.
0: <laughs> but let the people know where they can find you.
1: Absolutely, y'all. So I am at Jazz on Fire underscore on everything. That is Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook and YouTube. I am Jasmine Bunch, J-A-Z with the Z, M I N E and Bunch. It was great talking with you, Brian.
0: Jazz, I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, this conversation obviously wouldn't have been as effective. N- you know, you being somebody in the mix, a student, and giving that raw, authentic opinion. I've said this we're going through two pandemics. We're going through coronavirus, COVID-19, and then we're going through a racial pandemic.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: time for us as Black people to stop code switching. It's time for us to stop being nice. We've, we've been, you know, well, I really think, and this is how it should be, we tired.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> exhausted. I'm, like, literally exhausted. It, <laughs>
0: yeah and, and so and like you just said, you already felt like UNC don't care about you as a black woman. And now as a student about your health with this coronavirus, that is a problem and need to be addressed. I'm, I'm happy that you were able to come over here. I really appreciate your time
1: absolutely i I feel like god gave me a big mouth so why not use it for the people who don't have one you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) what she said ladies and gentlemen make sure you subscribe to her channel on youtube and get in contact with her make sure you check out here's the heat i promise you i guarantee you you will be entertained until the next time folks make sure you check out it through the glass ceiling hit the subscribe button this week coming up my friend erica marmalejo will be on that episode will drop on sunday if you haven't done so make sure you check out the episode with my brother quincy young until the next time folks remember don't let anybody set up a ceiling that you can't break through podcast is brought to you by b waters productions it is produced and edited by myself brian h waters with the music brought to you by hypnosis you can find hypnosis on instagram at hypno underscore beats